0: Yeah, I just wanted to show you some pictures uh, from Jesus' world. This is Chorazin. He, he pronounces a woe on Chorazin. We don't know what he did there. He must have preached there. But this is the synagogue. Um, look, there was a male model that was there that day, so <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um, but I show you this picture uh, to say that when he's in Galilee, Jesus lives in a black basalt world. All the buildings are black basalt. This is volcanic, very, very hard. I don't know how they shaped it the way they, they did, but when you go to, um, I'll show you Capernaum in a minute. All the walls of all the town uh, of uh, the, the 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 houses are all basalt. So he lives in a black basalt world. This is uh, from um, Capernaum. It's an inscription or uh, 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 a carving. This is uh, from the synagogue that's what they thought the Ark of the Covenant looked like so is this all first century? Is yeah well I, I can't say for sure it's all first or second century yeah 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 so but it's got wheels on it so that's pretty cool um, this is a mikvah can't really tell much it's uh, a mikvah is a ritual bath you got stairs going down one side and then a dividing line and stairs coming up the other side so you go down you immerse yourself and you come back up the clean side. I think
1: that was pre-COVID.
0: Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that was pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was way pre-COVID. Uh, a- interesting thing. Last time I was in Capernaum, I, you know, I said, hey, where the, there's no mikvah, no mikvot here. And the guide said, yeah, they just went out in the lake. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, this is one of the stones of the retaining wall of the, uh, the temple. And it's bigger, you can see how big it is. It's bigger than any of the uh stones in the pyramids. Uh Herod's the 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 the, the enclosure of the temple Herod's temple is thirty-five acres. It's huge. It's huge. Where the Dome of the Rock is now and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. And every if you ever you see masonry that's got this edge dressed, that means it's Herodian. So that's that's uh that's Herodian masonry. This is a, 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 the street level that was that's first century. You have to climb down the stairs to to go there in Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been destroyed like eleven times, and in the ancient world, when you destroyed a city, you didn't clear it off. You just piled stuff up and built on top of that. And uh, this is uh, an area that you can go down, and uh, they uh, put those lines in the in the pavement stone so the horses wouldn't slip. That's, that's retraction. I can't imagine it worked very well, but this is a, a game board that's uh, carved into the street, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'll show you some more of those in Capernaum. This is the field where David killed Goliath. This is the only Old Testament thing I'll show you. I'm not really interested, but that's it. And there's a stream back here where he got the, sto- the stones and Goliath came this way and David came that way and we know how that story ended, don't we? And and that's the only place it could be. That's that's the field where it where it happened. This is another mikveh. I'm not even sure where that is. But you get the idea. That's
1: just like natural
0: water. It has to be flowing water or, or you know or or uh yeah. You don't want to go down in there. You don't want to go in there. Okay, this is the synagogue in Magdala, where Mary, Mary Magdalene was from. And a synagogue is basically, um, you know, you have this air, elevated area where everyone sits, and then the teacher's kind of in the middle. Uh, and nobody's even sure what this is. They think maybe they put the scrolls on it. But it's all, it's all carved. Hmm? Like an altar? We wouldn't have an altar in a synagogue. It's... No, nobody's really sure. But the best guess that they can come up with is that they put scrolls on it. Maybe, but, the,
1: Ark
0: the, hmm?
1: Maybe the Ark of the Covenant is inside.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, your face would melt if you looked at it, though. Right. <laughs> You've seen Indiana Jones, right? What is the size? I don't know. If, well, there's a person right there, uh, and the, these excavations are relatively new. That's um, Magdala.
1: We're, we're, Hmm?
0: Magdala. Yeah. Uh, this is of Philippi, which, which is w- one of the questions that I still have that I can't get a, a decent answer to is, why Jesus even took them up there? Because it is a very pagan place. So there's a temple to Pan. There's a temple to the dancing goats. Later on, there was a temple to Augustus. And this is the, the walkway that goes into the area, and it's lined. That's an altar. It's lined with pagan altars the 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 cliff there's a there's a a cave there uh where supposedly it goes it leads to Hades I don't think it does but that was the tradition the cave of Pan but the front of that cave is all just covered with niches that used to have uh idols it's the most pagan place you can possibly imagine and what in the world he took them up there for
1: but as they wrote in
0: Well, my my mentor used to say, he he thought, because that's where Peter does the Cesare Philippi Confession, and he thought that uh, Jesus took them up there because the confession would be be made in the face of raw paganism, which is how most Christians were going to be confessing Jesus in that time. That's still not a good enough answer to me. There's got to be an answer with more zip in it than that. That doesn't have enough zip. Not an academic word, but... This is the, that cliff face, and these are some of the niches that used to have pagan deities. One of, one of the temples was the temples to the dancing goats. They had a herd of goats, and they would give them hallucinogenic herbs, and the goats would dance, and the, the priests would interpret your future by the way the goats danced. That's paganism for you, right? It makes, makes perfect sense. Um, okay, this is interesting. This is um, uh, the, the church where the, the, um, the tomb of Jesus you know, is or was. And it's owned by, I think, three or four different denominations, Russian Orthodox and Catholic, and, I don't know, three or four different denominations. This is a ladder that's been there for like 200 years because some monk was cleaning windows on the wrong side, and they made him get down. And they, they won't let them get their ladder. So that, that's the big, this is the main interest. Church of the Holy Sepulcher. This is the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Hmm? I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, and it's just, and they've even put a little thing to kind of gate it off. But it's just this sort of testimony to how pig-headed uh, people can be. Anyway. It
1: looks like it needs a little.
0: Well, I mean, it's a couple hundred years old, so it's not going to be up there long. This is the Golden Gate. Uh, there's seven or eight gates into Jerusalem, and this would have been the one that Jesus would have entered. The triumphal entry would have happened through this gate. Uh, these are Muslim graves. The Muslims, this is, of course, the temple, uh, the temple Mount became where the Dome of the Rock is. They shut that gate off to keep the Messiah f- from coming. They think that's going to keep him from I don't think it's going to work, but that's the idea. And they also, these are Muslim graves to make the whole place unclean.
1: The Muslims have closed it off?
0: Yes. Right. Suleiman did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
1: You said that some of the excavations... Can't hear you. Uh, You said that some of the excavations were fairly recent.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Magdala is recent. Okay. So, like, uh, about how long ago? Uh, Within the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting place, and you can you can go up, you know, if you go up on the Temple Mount, you can stand on the other side of that. But this is all this. It's really it's really kind of track. It's full of trash. And is it hostile
1: right now? I mean, that, that area is. A-
0: it, you pick what day, you know, you know.
1: And if, if that was a map, where would Palestine be?
0: This is Jerusalem. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is the wall around old the old city of Jerusalem.
1: Is it supposed to be part of?
0: That's the Golden Gate. That's the gate he's supposed to come back through. It's the it's the one he came through the first time. Okay, this is on the Mount of Olives, and these are ossuaries. See those bone boxes? Two-stage burial in Jesus' time. You die, you know. That's the beginning of stage one, and uh, they wrap you up with spices. Wrap your body up. They leave you for a year. You rot. They come back. Stage two is they take your bones and they wash the bones and they put them in an the ossuary, and that's what that is. And here's a little one that was for an infant. But these are bone boxes. Two-stage burial.
1: Can I ask a question? Going back one slide. You don't go back Okay. If the, mu- if the Muslims are blocking the gate because they're afraid of Jesus coming back through
0: that gate. That's that's the story that all you know, the guys tell. Mean
1: they believe in Jesus.
0: I don't know. Yeah, Jesus is all is all in the Quran, right? He's mentioned in the Quran a lot.
1: Yeah. But he's not the
0: Son of God. No. No.
1: So if they're again, so if they're so afraid of him, they must believe in his power. It sounds like an Ottoman Empire thing,
0: right? Yes, and thwarting anything that has to do with Judaism is what Islam is all about in the Middle East.
1: I think it was more, it was partly the Messiah, probably, but also just like trying
0: to make the place unclean for Jews. Well, Messianism is so, is so mixed up. I mean, in Judaism, there's some Jews that believe in there's two Messiahs. You know, there, there's some that think uh, Rabbi Nachman, who died about 10 years ago, they think he was the Messiah. Well... And he's been dead for 10 years. But you, you, if if you go around Jerusalem, in fact, all around Palestine, you see um, graffiti, Na Na Nachman. That's the chant, Rabbi Nachman. So there's a guy that they thought was the Messiah. There's another guy now who's, I think, still alive that they think is the Messiah. But like I said, some of them think there was two. Some, some think that the Messiah is just kind of an idealistic idea. It's not really a person. You know, you... Pick your, you know, make something up and there's somebody that believes that about the Messiah and my think, thinking about the, the the Muslims is it's not so much that they believe in the Messiah but they know that the Jews believe in the Messiah and they, they're they going to keep that from happening. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I know because okay. the Jews don't believe in Jesus Christ. Either, yeah. so if,
1: they're, if, they're waiting for, if they're putting up the block of Jesus Christ, yeah. then they're really focusing on the wrong people.
0: Yeah. We, we used to, I used to work with a group that smuggled Bibles into China, and our our statement was, if you meet someone who says they understand what's going on in China, that means they don't understand what's going on in China, because nobody. And there's something like that in Israel. it It is confusing. All the groups, it's, uh, I've been there 17 times, and I, I'm not so sure I understand that much more about, you know, the relationship between... The, the different Jewish communities have all kinds of animosity against each other. It's, it's a bizarre place. Okay, this, this is also on the Mount of Olives, and this gives you an idea. This used to be covered, by the way, and so what happens is, see this three-sided thing when, when you're laid out for stage one? This is where they lay your body, okay? And when you're done and they, they put your bones in the ossuary, they stick you in one of these niches. That's how it works. So when, you know, the burial of Jesus, the, the angel is sitting, you know, the Mary or whoever the women look in, and there's an angel sitting where Jesus' body had been laying. It was one of these slabs. Two-stage burial. Yeah. You may have said this at one point, but what's the point of the washing of the bones? I don't know. You just got to get the old, what's left, the old dried funk off. And it was seen as a, a real act of love. The person that does that really loves you. Have to. Yeah, because I imagine it'd be pretty gross, because yeah. the year's not long enough to, yeah, you know. OK, parakeets. Parakeets are part of Jesus' world. Do you know the 90 dollars green parakeets that you used to buy in the, in the pet store? Flocks of parakeets. I mean, come on, that's cool. <laughs> Parakeet, there, there's a better picture. Yeah, Parakeets are part of His world. Uh, Those are seagulls, but um, flocks of pelicans. It's the major flyway between Europe and Africa, right over the Sea of Galilee. So almost any birds you can think of, you're going to see. There's always birds singing or, you know, kind of doing their thing. Cormorant. Well, these are actually organized. Okay, this is an anchor. This is right next to the Sea of Galilee. There's an old anchor. That's a hooded crow. Really cool. Sounds just like our crows, but they got that gray coat on. Okay, this is the floor of the synagogue in Capernaum, and these are game boards I told you about earlier. It's carved in the floor. What's a game board? Well, there's there's 70 different games that they know of. The one that I've heard about is a game called King, and this is a board for King. And you roll pig knuckles. You don't have dice. You roll pig knuckles. And I don't know how that works, how they come up. In the synagogue? Hmm? In the synagogue? Yeah, this is in the, 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 the house of study that's next to the synagogue. Uh, but you basically, you have a man. You know, okay, you're playing checkers. You go all the way across the board. What do you say? King, King me. It's that, that's the idea. And you roll your or knuckle bones and you move around this and at one point you're robed at one point you have a staff at one point you're crowned and some people think that the roman soldiers were actually playing a game with jesus i wouldn't take a bullet for that but it's an interesting idea it preaches well okay this is peter's house in capernaum and as certain as we can be about any archaeological spot we're Certain that this is Peter's house.
1: That's
0: just off the shore,
1: right?
0: hmm So, what's the certainty built on? Hmm. Okay. Um, see these see these walls. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, this is a chapel that was built there late in the second century. So late in the second century, it had been identified as this, as this house, and then this is a wall that was built around the house, and this is those black basalt walls. And it's in Capernaum, so his house is somewhere in Capernaum.
1: And it must be near the coast because there's a fisherman, too.
0: Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And so it's something to think that this, this space was a room, you know, that Jesus would have actually been in. The
1: synagogue two doors
0: down. It's 85 feet from the synagogue. Yeah. yeah. Who lives 85 feet from the synagogue? Peter. Peter. Okay, this is, a, this is a, at Chorazin. That's Helios. Now, you explain that to me, Car- a, a, an image carved in the wall of the synagogue. And in the entrances, guess what? They had zodiacs. People are still trying to figure this out. Well, <laughs> well I mean, I think, it, I think in, general, in general, it's, it's basically syncretism. You know, there's theories that, oh, it was their way of welcoming Gentiles. The Gentiles would see a Zodiac and they would think they were, well, who cares about the Gentiles? Who cares about welcoming the Gentiles? There's another theory that says the signs of the Zodiac relate to the tribes of Israel. Leo the lion is Judah and that sort of thing. Uh, Issachar is a strong ox. That would be, what's the ox anyway? Taurus. Huh? Taurus. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: closely, was the, were these things guarded, let's say, between zero, or 100 A.D. and 1,000 A.D.? Could some of this stuff, I guess, have been added later on?
0: Uh, I don't think anybody cared about adding anything later on. And after
1: 70— Like drawing those or drawing the zodiacs and such?
0: Well, after 70, it was all destroyed anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Well, that, I mean, that wasn't—you took a picture of it, but.
0: Well, this has been excavated. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But, you know, all of those thoughts that you have about the Pharisees and how picky everybody was, and then you go in the synagogues and you see that. And, and I've asked several guides, and no, nobody knows. They won't hazard a guess. This is just a sunrise. Jesus, Jesus lived, This is Sea of Galilee. Jesus lives in a world of beautiful sunsets and sunrises. It's just almost every morning and evening, there's a, it's gorgeous. It's I'm not sure where this is, actually. <laughs> I've got. I have so many pictures of sunsets and sunrises over the Sea of Galilee because it's just almost always beautiful. But
1: it's a very dry climate, like a desert. It's a
0: desert. Not, not, not Galilee. Galilee's Middle Tennessee. Ju- yeah. Judea, and and Jerusalem is the desert, and it's the moon. I'll, I'll show you some pictures of that in a minute. Uh, the the difference when you think Galilee, yeah, think Tennessee, think Middle Tennessee. You've got the lake. You've got the Jordan River. How far is that? Hmm. It's uh, uh, seven miles one way and 11 miles long, okay? And, and I could show you on a map, in, the, in terms of the Gospels, okay, we only have .09% of Jesus three years in the Gospels, okay? If Jesus' life is $100, we have nine cents of it. So, we, so, so I was about to say, Jesus only was only at the northern tip of the lake. Well, the Gospels only portray him being at the northern tip of the lake, Bethsaida and Capernaum and Chorazin. All the, he doesn't go to the southern part of the lake, Tiberias and other places, as far as the Gospels say. I'm learning to be careful about that language. But anyway, that's Galilee. Who it the lake of... Gennesaret. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like a city
1: that was
0: on it? I'm not sure. And, and one of the Gospels calls it the Sea of Tiberias. Yeah. Yeah. There's another little better picture. Okay, this is a floor in the high priest's house in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, and it's just to give you an idea of how opulent. I mean, they lived like kings, they, lived like kings. they had bathtubs and, you know, individual bathtubs. Right? Very much, very Roman. Well, the, Ro- the Romans appoint the high priest in Jesus' day, uh, and they swapped, usually swapped them out yearly until you get to Caiaphas, who's there for like 12 years. So Caiaphas, he knew how to work with Rome. But uh, there's a a lot of excavation, but to get to this excavation, you've got to go down down the stairs because there's all kinds of rubble and stuff on top. So
1: when when the Romans chose a high priest, were there any uh, qualifications or was it just-
0: I have no idea. I have no idea I'm sure there was a pay it was a pay you know pay thing uh, this this is amazing uh, this may very well be the only part of the temple that's left and it's the it's the capital of a column uh, and it would have been this is on the Temple Mount uh, the the dome of the rock is right over here um, But the the idea being that after it was destroyed, there was a colonnade that went all the way around that huge enclosure. It was two columns deep, and they had that kind of an ornate capital on each one, and they were covered with gold. And uh, if if you go there, the guides will tell you this is the only, and the Muslims use it to feed birds. They put, yeah. Yeah, pretty incredible. What's the rabbi said, if if you if you've never seen the temple, you've never seen a beautiful thing.
1: It's just it's amazing how the different religions use the same thing for different. They can get along. That's what basically that shows.
0: Well, they're just now letting Jews come up on the Temple Mount. So it, you say, like pick pick the day. There you go. Read closely. There's your Stars and Bucks Cafe. It's a ripoff. This is in uh, Nazareth. No? Yes, Nazareth. How is the coffee? I've never had it. I'm, I'm, a, co- <laughs> I'm a coffee snob. I'd no never, I would never go to a place like that.
1: Huh? No good coffee
0: comes from Nazareth. <laughs> okay, this is very important. This is an important image for you to get in your head. Okay, Nazareth, uh, the, the homes in Nazareth are basically built over holes in the ground and little caves like this. Um, very third world. I mean, the city of Nazareth in Jesus' day was about as big as a soccer field—not very big, okay. And uh, yeah, there's there's another. That's a cave that's still that's out in the in the you know in a field. But shepherds stay up under there and build fires and that kind of thing. So these are fairly common.
1: That reminds me of like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, you want to you know about the, the desert around Jerusalem? Sure. There you go. That's it. That's the Judean wilderness where Jesus was tempted for 40 days. And, and it is the moon. You've never seen any, I've never seen anything like It's not Nevada. It's not that. Because every now and then there's a cactus or something in Nevada. There's nothing. It's the moon. Yeah. It's There's funny. no way to survive in there. Hmm? No way to survive. Uh, well, the Israelis see some of these little bushes. Yeah. Um, it was winter because in the summer those bushes aren't there. And there were these little, I thought they were fossils, these little snail shells. And I picked up a pocket full of them. I was going to bring them home. And I washed them off and left them by the sink. And I came back the next day and they'd all crawled away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as far as watering, it doesn't look like there'd be much
0: water. There's, there's no water there. I mean, there may be a little, you know, if there's some green there, there may be a spring there. But I've never seen, and, and, and Jerusalem is in the middle of this. I don't have it. Uh, I just saw a really good picture of a, of a, high, a high perspective on the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is surrounded by this. Yeah. That's a, a guy selling stuff. And some male model was there, so I've got a picture of him. Uh, this is in a little uh, reconstructed village, uh, supposed to give you the idea of what... Um, um, this is slightly after the time of Jesus, but this is a threshing sled. They, you know, bust up the grain, and then they'd run this sled. There's pieces of rock that would rip it all apart. yeah yeah I can't remember the name of it but it's it's uh, here's another you put your food up there um, it's a it's a it's a tourist place you go there and uh, you can dress up you know you dress up and it's pretty cool <laughs> okay there's a we have a, every every time we go we have a bonfire this is our group having a bonfire this is the sea galley that's Tiberius we're on the other side we're on the on the pagan side where Gadara and Hippos and all the all the Gentiles, where the pigs were, okay, that's the side we're on. That's the good side. But Tiberias was a a city that Herod built on a on top of a graveyard, so it was considered unclean. And some people think that's why Jesus never went there. But that's Tiberias. Yep. Yeah. Okay. This is just a wide shot, Galilee. Uh I looked it up. It's 35 square miles, the lake. Old Hickory Lake is 300 square miles.
1: What are they called? The Sea of Galilee?
0: Then? Yeah. The Lake of the Yeah. <laughs> it, we, well, I used to say you live in an area where you nobody's seen the sea, but the Mediterranean Ocean's 19 miles away. Jesus grows up. He, he's way closer to the Mediterranean than he is to Jerusalem. Now, I think he must have he gone there, but we just don't have any... You know, we have 0.09% of his life. On his way to India. Hmm? On his way to India. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. This is our bus driver. This is Kamal Tubasi. And uh, he's a Palestinian. He lives on the Mount of Olives. And um, I'll tell you a story about Kamal. Uh, one of the guys in our group, uh, we've become really close. over. He, he's been our bus driver for 17 years, okay? And. Um, Ron, the guy who organizes our trip, his wife died last year. And Ron called Kamal to tell him that Phyllis had died and Ron heard the phone drop and Kamal just start weeping. He doesn't know him that well. You know, and I mean I'm Ron's one of Ron's best friends. When he told me Phyllis had died, I said, Well, I'm really sorry, you know. Is there anything I can do? Kamal just starts weeping. He's just this wonderful tender tender hearted guy.
1: In the 17 years ever had a discussion with him since he is Palestinian regarding the daily troubles or the daily. Oh yeah. We talk about it all the time. Because I'm, I'm wondering if is it like in this country where there's a small radical group that and it's not the entire, like it's most of the population would like peace and tranquility.
0: Yeah, most of the population wants, but there are more than one radical group. Oh yeah. Right. You know there there's a radical Jewish group you know that's kind of militant and then there's Muslims he's a Christian tomorrow Kamal, is a Christian this is a storm on the Sea of Galilee that just blew in to give you an idea uh, kind of a sense memory this is a tomb um, see the stone three steps in when you see this tomb this is just in a it's a, in a field behind a, a hotel in Jerusalem but all the details are just like the tomb. It's a rich man's tomb, like Jesus would have been, you know, would have uh, had been buried in. You, the The detail of the people looking down into the tomb. It's three steps down, and the the stone is huge. And of course, the women say, "Who's going to move, move the stone? We're, we can't move the stone. It's like 10, ten guys couldn't move that stone. It's 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 enormous. I think I have another picture. Body lot. Hmm. Inside it. Well, there's the arch of that doorway, and here's the top of the stone. And there uh tombs are always built in um quarries you you you're done quarrying the stone. you got all stone out, and then you do the tombs, you know but that yeah, I wouldn't want to move that. okay, this is a long shot you you probably can't see there's the top of the door right now there's the top of the door and there's the stone but see this is an, it's a quarry all the all the the stone has been. Taken out, and then that's the Jerusalem Hotel. If that's where all the rich white people stay. Okay, this is uh, the steps into Lazarus's tomb. I've never been in there because I have really bad claustrophobia. Yeah. So how common
1: was it to have a tomb?
0: Because it seems like they'd be pretty expensive if it was that difficult to Well, I think they, I think they were, and and. Um, <coughs> You have group group burials, but then they're rich, you know, Jesus' tomb. It's a rich, it's Joseph Arimathea's tomb. He's rich, right? So can we assume the same about Lazarus? Hmm? Can we assume the same about Lazarus? Well, Lazarus' tomb, and again, we're not, you know, not really sure. It's not as big and not as elaborate. But there are tombs everywhere. There are tombs everywhere. And some of them are just sort of small slots, you know, that you can barely get into like this one. So I don't know. Uh, and th- this was a relative, uh, individual burial was relatively recent. Um, in, in the Hebrew Bible, they talked about being gathered to your fathers. Well, for a long time, and, and in the Mount of Olives, there's one of these tombs there. It's just, it's a room about half this big that's just full of human bones, just piled up. Because you'd have the first stage of burial, right? And instead of being put in an ossuary, they would just put you in a pile on the pile, and you would be gathered to your fathers. That's what that meant. Now
1: what are the dimensions of that?
0: entrance? Um, just enough to make you have a panic attack. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I had somebody take my camera and said, take, it, take, take a picture because I don't know I'm ever going in there. <laughs> uh, th- these are some of those niches, and this is in um, Tomb of the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah, there are tombs everywhere. That, this is some of the, those are some of the human bones I was talking about and that's that's in the Mount of Olives and I'm walking along and there's this hole in the wall and I just stuck the camera in there took a picture and that's what it was there you see skulls there's a skull all kinds of bones so that's you know second century BC you know yeah gathered to your fathers okay this is very important um, Remember uh, the, the, the last time Jesus was in, uh, in the temple area and he got, he got mad because, uh, when, when he tore it. No, that was the first time the, in John. Anyway, uh, when he, he tears up the temple and the disciples, he's leaving the temple area with the disciples and they make small talk. They say, look at these big stones, you know, isn't this a pretty place? And he's still mad and he says, not one stone is going to be left on top of the other. These are stones from the temple. This is the temple mount enclosure. See that Herodians? If you can look real close, you can see how those corners are dressed. This is the, this is the platform that Herod built. And when the, in 70, when the sto- soldiers burnt the temple, they pried the stones apart because the gold had melted in between the stones. They pried the stones apart and they pushed them over the temple uh, mount. And these are stones from the temple. So when Jesus said, not one stone is going to be left on top of the other, the, the, that's them. And this is one of the most stunning things that I, I think of, can think of in Jerusalem. You just look at that and go, that's exactly what he said was going to happen. And if you look here, this pavement is all broken. And these were just uncovered in 1960. This is pretty recent. But this pavement is all busted up where, where those stones were. And you can tell some of them are dressed. And these are enormous. I think I've got a picture of humans about that big. I'll, I think I've got a picture of a yeah see all the busted pavement yeah That's yeah.
1: When the stones hit hmm? that's when the stones fall and
0: yeah yeah these were <clears throat> these were market little uh, uh marketplaces uh and then they're mar- there's uh you know little stalls on the other side
1: what were they covered with till 1960
0: dirt really yeah okay. uh, this, this wall. Oh, sorry
1: so the wall standing there that's the built,
0: that was built much later then. This? Yeah. No, this was there. This, this, is, the, this is the retaining wall. Uh-huh. Okay, or, originally there was just sort of a peak right, that Solomon's temple was built on. When Herod did the, you know, his big temple, he did this retaining wall uh-huh. that, that covers 35, or that encloses 35 acres. And this is part of that wall. The temple, the, the, the dome of the rock is like right here. And they think it was built over where the temple was, although nobody knows. Is that what they call the Wailing Wall? Uh, the Wailing Wall is just down from there. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, how much of that wall still exists?
0: The whole, the whole retaining wall is still there. So, the, the circum- I mean, the, how much area is that covered? It's, it, it holds up a 35-acre enclosure. The al Mosque is there, and the Dome of the Rock is there, and then there's a huge plaza. You know, hundreds of thousands of people, and Jesus, Jesus there at tabernacles. There's 200,000 people. When Jesus shouts, "If man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink," it's tabernacles, and he's standing in front of the temple with 100,000 people in that enclosure. It's pretty cool. These are more game boards. There's a game king. Uh, I'd like to study that. So I'm sure that someone's written a paper. Someone got a PhD up for that somewhere. This is more. This is more game boards okay this is Bethsaida uh, the pool of Bethsaida and um, yeah this it, it, the 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 pool of Siloam is, is maybe this deep this this was part of the water system that fed the temple uh, the temple enclosure is just over here uh, but you see how deep those pools are and they built a church over the Byzantine uh, uh, era, built a church over it, and after the Romans had destroyed it, they built a temple to Asclepius, who's the god of healing, you know, the the physician, the staff with the snake around it, that's Asclepius, and so there's always been this healing association with water, and this is where the, the man, you know, Jesus tells the man to get up, so he's sitting by this pool for how many years, long time, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. That's another another shot, another angle of it. <clears throat> this is the church that commemorates the place where Judas hung himself. I haven't been in there. I just took a picture of it. I'm not interested in going in there, frankly. But this this is in um, uh, Gethsemane Valley. So, so what are do you doing?
1: Do?
0: I've never been down in down? there. I, but this that's supposedly the spot where he hung himself. I,
1: I mean, I'm under the opinion that Judas just played His role was outlined for him before he was born. He had no other option but to betray
0: Jesus. You don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's free will or determined, you know. No, and the fine. answer is, they're, God's plan. they're both true. Did God know? Absolutely. Did God know Judas would Did do God that? Did
1: it out? Yes.
0: Did that determine that Judas wasn't free to choose, yes Someone or no? He had
1: to betray Jesus in order for this whole...
0: Whole, I, I know we don't we don't want to go there trust me. <laughs> well, I, I think I think they both function at the same time which is impossible for us to understand. I think Judas had to be free or else he wouldn't have been guilty. Right? If he's a pawn, I you know, he's got to be free to say yes or no. He said yes, that's why he's a bad guy.
1: I don't I don't consider Judas a bad guy. Hmm? I don't consider Judas a bad guy. I don't.
0: Really? Yes. And okay. Can,
1: and I'll make the argument.
0: Okay. Part well, part. We, I don't want to talk about that right now. I got more pictures. We can talk so if about.
1: Jews didn't t- turn God in. did turn Jesus in. The crucifixion never would have happened. Wait oh. till seven thirty. Huh? Wait till seven
0: thirty. Yeah. No. No. I understand. you you I understand what you're saying. But um, let's not go there right now. Okay. This shows you how how low. Uh, this is the the level of the the streets now, and that's the level. That's the first century level. So that's what it looks like after. This is all rubble after a city's been destroyed 11 times. Okay, not good. They just fill it in and keep it. In. Hmm. They just fill it in and keep that's it. So well, you don't have really? bulldozers. You know, you're not gonna. All cities <laughs> are like this. You 10 layers <laughs> deep. And see, and so to to see first century or you know or late, later layers, you always have to go down downstairs okay. to see stuff.
1: A building in Italy, and the inside of the building is an archaeological dig. You mm-hmm. go in this building, and there's a huge hole
0: that
1: goes down. Yeah. <laughs> you go down to build a parking lot or something like that, and they have to stop
0: because right. they're getting into it. The and anytime they dig anywhere, I mean, it's Jerusalem, anytime you dig anywhere, you're going to find something. Yeah. This is that uh, entrance to the Church of Holy Sepulchre, and that's the ladder again, if you're interested. there's stars and bucks again sorry this this is an enclosure uh and i have this here because there's a place where jesus says he's the good shepherd and then he says right after i said he's the door and what i like to say is he's saying the same thing because the shepherd is the door because this is the sheep enclosure the shepherd lies right here he becomes the door so Jesus is basically, and someone who's, being, who's trying to be obscure does not say the same thing different ways to make the point. He's not being obscure. Every now and then you hear people say that Jesus was being obscure. Okay, this is Caesarea Philippi. This is the cave I told you about, the Cave of Pan. These are all those niches that used to have idols. And this is where the uh, Temple to the Dancing Goats was. And there was a Temple to Augustus right there, but that was uh, after Jesus Okay, this is where the Jordan River begins, at the foot of Mount Hermon. <coughs> beautiful, beautiful place. This is just—we a we rented this boat for the day. This is to let you see how big the boat was. This is a reconstruction of the boat, and again, uh, there was a male model there, so we put oh, him Asian in. The, boat. That's that's what their their boats were like. It, you, they've got a place for oars, and they've also got a place—you know—they do <coughs> sails, sails and oars, and. Uh, you wouldn't want to be in that boat in the middle of a storm. This is a, a, a trail that goes b- beside the uh, Jordan River. There's the Jordan River. These are eucalyptus trees. They weren't there when Jesus was there, the, uh, when they reclaimed uh, and made the desert bloom again. The Jews brought those in. So those weren't there when Jesus was there. Eucalyptus trees. There's a, another shot of the boat. If you look real close, the photographer's knees are right there. But this is just to give you an idea of the size of the boat. You know, they, they have the Jesus boat that they found a few years ago that was basically from, from here down a hull of a first century boat by the Sea of Galilee. So they, they know pretty much what their boats were like. Yeah. And this is, this is the city of Tiberias. That guy's hair is a
1: little bit darker than yours is. Hmm? That guy's hair is a little bit darker than yours
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, Sean, I think Sean Connery. I don't know. Okay, this is a back to Chorazin. Sorry I don't have them geographically, but this is, again, to show you this black basalt world. This is that synagogue that was the first image I showed you. This is basalt. See the carving effect? I think, I think that's Helios. Um, almost done. There's a, there's a pullback shot of Chorazin. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Beseda. he said. Okay, this is interesting. Uh, this, is the, um, this is the synagogue in Capernaum. And there's this big white limestone, uh, gorgeous synagogue that was built. Everyone argued about when, second, third century AD. But this is the original step into the first century synagogue. See, it's, it's basalt, right? It's basalt. And the step that they, the new step doesn't touch the old step, and nobody can figure out why. Well, here's the newest theory, okay, because there's all kinds of theories. The new theory is this is a Christian synagogue that was built in the second century. Uh, there were Christian synagogues, and they so revered that this had been the synagogue where Jesus did all... Talk about eat my flesh, drink my blood. That was here. He healed uh, uh, the lame man. I think it was here. But anyway, they so revered this place that when they put the step, they wouldn't touch the old step. And there's no other synagogue like this. There's no other, you know, this is unique. So that's the kind of weird stuff, you know. Uh, And they so, again, they so revered the, the wall that they cut the stones to fit the rubble so this is the first century one and this is the later one. I think I surely have there's a and it wasn't even lined correctly. It's supposed to face your point at Jerusalem and see how it's not it doesn't sit quite on it's it's narrow there and it's wider there. There's all these oddities, you know. yeah i think it's it's this its source and you know this is this is much later and this really is a gorgeous it's like it looks like marble in fact some of the guys will tell you it's mar- marble it's not marble it's limestone but it's white and it really is incredible this would have been a much simpler like Corazon. uh this is some uh tessellated flooring there's a ship and this is in this is in Capernaum I just had this here to you know, get this. Get in your mind what Jesus' world was like. He, he would have walked on, you know, floors like this. This is Peter's house. This is a, a pullback from Peter's house. This is the chapel that was built around it. And this is a big, ugly church that they built on top of it. But this is during the Crusader time, they built a wall around it. And uh, again, that's <clears throat> high degree of uh, certainty that that's actually Peter's house. These, this is right next. There's the ugly church. There's Peter's house underneath it. This is what the 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 walls uh, in uh, Capernaum. And again, it's that black basalt. Um, and this was all, you know, this is all covered covered too. And you'll see uh, a lot of these uh, grinding stones. These are all grinding stones. And there's so many of them there that, they, that one of the new theories is that actually, this was a center for carving those things out. Uh, ash turned millstones. And so when Jesus said, it'd be better for you if a millstone was tied around your neck, he uses the term for one of these big millstones that you have to have a donkey. That's the synagogue right there. That's what's left of it. It's been reconstructed. But it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous synagogue. And uh, the, the floor... This was the the, kind of the worship center. This is the the Beit Midrash, the uh, the house of studies next door. That's where those game game boards are in the floor there. And then you can see the the city back at Nazareth again. This is the this is what the houses were built over. These kinds of yeah. That, I don't know. I don't know if that's a quarry or not. I think that's just the way. This is a limestone cave, and the idea being that when when uh, right above here is what's called the ketaluma, which which the guest house, and when Joseph and Mary come, there's no room in the guest house for them, and so the idea is Jesus might have been born underneath, you know. And this this is where the animals were. So this is where. That's
1: uh, uh, not a stable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's a stable that's in, integrated into your house, you know, because these are the steps that go, I mean, you're living right here and it's all, you know, it's all one continuous place.
1: Right, but I, I guess my question is why could it's been taught for 2,000 years that it was born in the stable.
0: Mm-hmm. That well, you use you have. well, it was taught, they'll say there's no room in the inn. Well, there, are, there, there weren't inns. It was a guest room. They, they mistranslated Cataluma. Which is guest room for in. So I don't know, but, uh, uh, but the manger would have been down here. So if he, you know, vulture, Egyptian vulture, I mean, it's like a B 52. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's just they're every kind of bird. If you're into, you know, birds at all, they're, they're, uh, they're everywhere. Uh, that's a coney, that's a rock badger. And they look like a Muppet character. But um, the Hebrew Bible talks about conies, about rock badgers. That's what that is. Fox. This, and if you see all these animals and all these birds, that's Galilee. Because it's just rich with... Uh, and that's, uh, that's the falls that I showed you earlier. This is where the Jordan River begins, right at the foot of Mount Hermon. That's Mount Hermon with snow on it. This is the Sea of Galilee. So, you know, I never thought, never assumed that when they were on the fishing, and this is the northern tip of the lake, that Jesus can see a snow-covered mountain from the lake, but he can. Because that's, uh, yeah, that's Mount Hermon. And at the foot of Mount Hermon is of Philippi, where the, I showed you the Cave of Pan. That's right on the bottom of this. Another shot of the lake. Hmm? How far was the sermon? It was well. We just it, we just have traditions, but uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Ma- it was a mountain that was beside the Sea of Galilee. Uh, not a mountain, but a mount.
1: But a hill. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it could
1: have been in
0: that. Just... Yeah. It's well. It's it's it, we don't we don't know for sure. But people argue about these things like they know, but they don't know. There's a Jewish face always looking, looking for his face. And that for me, okay, that's not Jesus. This is an, an Egyptian, um, uh, Fayum, Egypt uh, was a place where they dug up a bunch of mummies and the mummies had portraits over, their, over the, the boxes they were in. And this is a mummy portrait and there are thousands of these things. And this is a first century Jewish face and uh, there's a new book called uh, What Did Jesus Look Like? based on about 700 graves that were Excavated by the Israeli antiquity authority, average heights 5'6". Uh, five foot six that 's five foot six, average hair length three inches, and so there's a Semitic face from the first century, but I've heard, I always tell people that's not Jesus yeah. but that's my idea of what you know he might have looked like, but one of the interesting details in the garden I guess. Uh, Garden Gethsemane. Why does Judas kiss Jesus? Because he's unrecognizable. He looks just like the rest of them. It's not like he's taller or, you know, auburn-haired and blue-eyed. He looks just like the rest of them. He has to be pointed out. So I had a friend who looked similar. Really? And, I would, and he, he was a handyman, so he did a lot of the work on a lot of the houses. And I would tell my kids, "This is." What That's Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you pass them by on the street and you don't look twice. Okay, that's all. Okay, just to kind of give you an idea. <clears throat> and and I have thousands of those. I didn't I didn't bring all of them. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, here's where we ate it. At yeah, here's a hamburger. Pla- here's a hamburger place in Jerusalem that we really like. Okay, let's talk about Luke. <clears throat> We just canceled it because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't push that. I don't push that tour. Okay, let's talk about Luke. Um, interesting to me. Okay, I'm just seeing this uh, in the last couple of weeks. You know, we've got obviously we've got four Gospels, right? John and Matthew were had been disciples. Mark and Luke weren't. I mean, Mark might have been, he was a very young man, he might have been around him. But Mark is connected to Peter, and Luke is connected to Paul. So we have two disciples of Jesus, and a disciple of Peter, and a disciple of Paul. That's, I think that's pretty cool. And Luke, Luke is that one who was connected with Paul, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And Luke acts as this wonderful bridge from the, from the Gospels over to the writings of Paul. And how much more perfect could it be than a disciple of Paul... Wrote that bridge, you know, that that gets us from the life of Jesus over into uh, you know the early church. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about Luke. Have you ever read where they met, where uh, where Luke and Paul met? Uh, hmm. Okay, this is this is Acts. Listen real close. Act 16. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. How weird is that? So they want to go one place, and the Holy Spirit won't let them go. Uh, when they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. This is the weirdest passage. So they want to go north, and they can't go. Then they want to go south, they can't go. They're being tr- funneled to Troas, Okay. So the spirit of Jesus... Um, we're at a in place. Uh, did not allow them. Passing by Mysia. they went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia. Do you hear what just happened? They... Became we, and the idea is that Luke Luke joined them, uh, and,
1: huh?
0: Uh, I don't know, uh, Timothy. Yeah, this is that's Act sixteen. So how cool is that? That they that's the the they becomes we, and so that's almost certainly Luke has joined uh, joined the team. Um, let's see. Hmm? yeah well the, the, they're in Mycenae and they ha- Paul has a vision about a man in Macedonia and wants him to come over oh, okay. yeah Yeah. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm not a. I'm sorry I am not know virtually nothing about Paul I'm a life of Jesus guy but I think that's pretty cool um, so we have that we have that reference in Acts uh, in uh, Philemon uh, Paul early on Paul refers to Luke as one of his fellow workers by the time he writes Colossians he places Paul with Demas and he refers to Paul as our dear friend and we're going we're to look at their names in a minute Luke and Demas are both slave names we're going to look at that in a second <coughs> uh, that's Colossians um, by the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4.11 Paul says only Luke is with me So everyone else that left. So Luke is this faithful, faithful person who stays with Paul uh, to the very end. So in our opening question, who is Luke? He's a a companion of Paul. He's on the team with Paul. And in a minute, if we have time, we're going to ask, what would you expect from a person who writes the life of Jesus who's connected to Paul? I mean, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Luke is the gospel that's mo- the most interested in Gentiles and Jesus reaching out to Gentiles. So we'll see. We'll see that in a minute. Okay. So he's a companion of Paul, in one two we find out he's not an eyewitness. So what does that mean? That means he has to talk to eyewitnesses and interview eyewitnesses. And uh, one of the fun things when you do when you read Luke is to try to figure out where do he get that you know where did he get that story from. And the nativity is one of the best examples because Mary. In in Matthew, Joseph does all the talking. In Luke, Mary does all the talking. And there's a a very reliable, it's a reliable tradition because I I want it to be. Um, There's a reliable tradition that Mary went to Ephesus with John. Jesus entrusts uh, Mary to John from the cross. And there's this reliable uh, tradition that the Gospel of Luke was written in Ephesus where Mary was so Luke could have talked to her. Okay. You don't argue about things like that. It's just it's just cool the way the pieces of the puzzle, you know
1: that's how they did the genealogy too.
0: Right. And well and so so you go to Matthew in Matthew's genealogy it goes to Abraham. Luke goes to Adam, because Luke is interested in the Gentiles. See? Very interesting. Which, uh,
1: which gospel was it that Joseph was basically the
0: narrator? Matthew. Yeah, all the nativity sections, it's all Joseph talking. In Luke, it's all Mary talking. Joseph does not open his mouth in Luke. You know, it's things like Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. That's Luke. And it's interesting how once you kind of become familiar with the uniquenesses of their voices, you'll hear a version and you'll go, "Well, that sounds like Luke." And then, sure enough, that's Luke. Okay. Um, Jesus, twelve years old in the temple. That's only in Luke. You know, your father and I, his mother says, you know, why have you treated us like this, right? Which is exactly what my mother would have said to me. Okay, in Colossians 4.14, Paul uh, says that he was a doctor. Okay, so we know he was a companion of Paul. We know he was, uh, um, what did I just say, Um, he's a companion of Paul, he's not an eyewitness, and he's a doctor. Uh, That's Colossians 4.14. And there's all kinds of, you know, all, this is how you get a PhD. You come up with a theory, right? There's all kinds of theory. Paul talks at one point see, what's, see what large letters I write to you. People think maybe he was going blind. My mentor, William Lane, thought that Paul had malaria because he starts complaining about the thorn in the flesh after he'd been where the Pontine marshes were and there were these malarial swamps. Whatever the problem was, one theory is Luke is a doctor who was taking care of Paul. Whatever this thorn in the flesh was, there was. He had some kind of, uh, you know, my presence is weak kind of thing. Um, How long were they together for? I don't know.
1: I don't
0: know. He said that his name was a slave name, so did Paul own him. No, here. Well, okay. I'm going to tell you this. Let us get into this. We. Uh, I can and I can give you the references later on, but Paul has a relative named Lucian. He refers to him in. in he's referred to in Acts, and I think he's also referred to in Romans. Okay, Paul's relative is Lucian. What you need to know is, in the first century, uh, slaves were given, here's your big word for the day. Why use a big word that no one can understand when you can use a little word that everyone can understand? The the big word is hypochorism. Luke is a hypochoratic name. What does that mean? It's It's a nickname. It's a shortened form. Luke is a shortened form of Lucian. Just spells like it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> um, Demas. Demas is a shortened form. I mean, a hy- my hypocritic name is Mike. Michael is my name, but a hypocorism is Mike. So if I were to buy a slave, God forbid, in the first century, I would name him Mike. He has a shortened form of my name. Members of the family, sort of. Well, in Judaism, more so. Yeah, in Rome it's not so much a family thing, but in Judaism is very benign and slavery is very benign in Judaism. So wouldn't Luke have to be owned by someone named Lucian? Right, or purchased by someone like Lucian. And since Paul has a relative named Lucian, I mean again, I would never be never be dogmatic about what the Bible's not dogmatic about, but it's a pretty cool fit. Okay? So the idea is that Paul's relative purchase, purchases Luke. And gives him, uh, and Demas, who is a lawyer, that's a shortened form of the name Demetrius. It's a hypochorism. Really interesting. I I wrote a book called A Better Freedom, which is about slavery in the first century, a book that has sold literally tens of copies. (laughs) So that's all there. And what you need to know is in, in the first century, in a slave culture, most professional people were slaves, most doctors were slaves. Lawyers, slaves. Were you yeah. slaves, like, from birth? they to be You, you, became, you, you born came born into slavery all different ways. Some people were born into slavery. Sometimes uh, a, a, a village or a, an area was conquered. And uh, the people, like Sepphorus, which is close to Nazareth, that was conquered by the Romans, and, and 30,000 people were sold into slavery. So you, you became slaves slave in different ways. But professional people tended to be slaves. And, and we had some, we had why, this, why was that? well, it's what, it's what slavery does to a culture. We had this in the South. We had the planter elite, right? When, you're, when you live in a slave culture, you don't aspire to be a lawyer or doctor. You aspire to do nothing because the slaves do all the work. And one of, one of the other really good indicators we have of this is at one point, Domitian, uh, the emperor Domitian, so many slaves were being sent to the medical school in Pergamum. The biggest medical school in the ancient world was in Pergamum so many slaves were becoming doctors that Domitian ordered that they they not be allowed to go to the medical school anymore because it was messing up the, the they were worth a, the the value of a of a slave who was trained was you know hundreds of times more than a day day labor or something like that so yeah the, that, well that's what a slave culture does to the culture you don't aspire to anything you just you aspire to be rich and do nothing Right? So Pilate, where we have Pilate, I mean, he, he's going to have his, his massage in the morning, and then he's going to go to the bath. He's trying to get rid of Jesus so he can go to the gym and have a day of the, the Romans call it, a day of organized leisure." That's what you do in a slave culture, because the slaves do all the work. It's hard to get your mind around it, but it's an it's a interesting world. Uh, let, me, <clears throat> let me just read this. In, in Paul's day, many doctors were recruited from the slave community. Uh, so there's a, at least a chance that Luke might have been a slave. I'm trying to build a case for Luke being a slave. He has a slave name, and he's a doctor, which, which indicates he might have been a slave. Whereas the Greeks forbade slaves to practice medicine, the Romans promoted the idea. In fact, even Augustus's personal physician was a slave named Antonius Musa. So the emperor's personal physician is a slave. That's how it works. Slave culture—hard to get your mind around it. By the end of the first century, It's, emperor, hmm?
1: it's pretty trusting of the emperor.
0: Well, he—he's he's been been to medical school, and this is—these aren't doctors like we—like Vanderbilt doctors, right? These are like—I don't know.
1: But I think he could come up with a he could come up with a poison if you
0: wanted to. Yeah, absolutely, and he could cure a poison, hopefully. Yeah.
1: And rolled paper knuckles. <laughs>
0: By the end of the first century, the Emperor Domitian, that's what I was talking about before, was forced to issue a decree that forbade any more slaves to study uh, medicine, presumably because the profession was becoming overloaded with slave doctors. So, again, I'm, I wouldn't dogmatically push this, but I look at the pieces of the puzzle. He's a, he has a slave name, he's a doctor. A lot of slaves are doctors. And then I ask the question of, of the Gospel of Luke what would I expect from a slave? What would I expect from a slave writing a gospel? And the major theme in the Gospel of Luke, he pairs his witnesses and he's showing that the world's being turned upside down. The people who should get it, never get it. The people who shouldn't get it, always get it. I'll give you a list of those in a minute. Luke is very interested in the fact that the world's being turned upside down. And when I was writing the slavery book, uh, I found some slave narratives from around here And there was a slave who had been freed after the Civil War. He came back to the plantation where he had been a slave. And he's sitting on a horse. And uh, the man who had been his master was standing next to a split rail fence. And what the slave said was, he said, hey, the bottom rail's on top now. So that's his way of saying the world's been turned upside down. And that's Luke. Luke, I think, is interested in that. Jesus has turned the world upside down.
1: He talked a lot about women
0: who are very marginalized, right? And, and, and his, when he pairs his witnesses, often the one who gets it is a woman. The women get it. The, you know, Pharisees are clueless, right? Rich people are clueless. Um, okay. Uh, Luke already talked about that. Demas already talked about that. So he might have been a slave. He was probably a Gentile. Uh, there's this Greek name. Luke is a Greek name. And Paul first meets him in Asia. We just saw that in Acts 16. Um, so, I wouldn't be dogmatic about it again, but there's a pretty, pretty well accepted idea that he was, he was Gentile. He wrote to the Gentiles. Was right. His, his, his heart is for the Gentile mission. Yeah. You know, Jesus is a light to the Gentiles. That's only in Luke. So, you learn these things, and you hear that statement, you go, well, that sounds like Luke. You know? Uh, okay, uh, if, if he was a companion of Paul. Uh, what would you expect? Um, what would you expect from a person who'd been with Paul? I think this is absolutely fascinating. Okay, Paul is a Pharisee, right? A Pharisee of the Pharisees. We, talk all, we can talk for days about the Pharisees. But guess what? In the Gospel of Luke, the Pharisees aren't bad guys. Only in Luke, the Pharisees come and warn Jesus that Herod's going to kill him. That's only Luke. Jesus has meal fellowship. Three times with Pharisees only in the Gospel of Luke. Meal 1 and meal, I got the references here. Uh, 736 is the first one, 1137 is the second one, and 141 is the third one. Now, the, prob- the truth is, Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees. The middle meal, he, he gets, there's a kind of an argument that breaks out, but meal 1 and meal 3 are very congenial. In meal three, Jesus is giving them friendly advice on how not to sit at the wrong place and be embarrassed by sitting at the wrong place at a, at a banquet. That's very congenial. And meal one is the best one. That's Simon the Pharisee and the woman who anoints Jesus' feet. That's a very, teacher, I have something to ask you. Ask, you know, very congenial. So isn't it interesting that a companion of Paul... When he writes his gospel, gives us a different perspective. In in the, the plot to kill Jesus in, in Luke, the Pharisees are not a part of that plot in Luke. So Luke just wants you to know they're not contradicting each other. Luke just wants you to know there's another side to the Pharisees. Right? Leadership in the early church was almost exclusively Pharisaic. The Pharisees aren't all bad guys, right? They're not all bad guys. Um Okay, another thing that you might expect from uh, a companion of Paul is uh, when, when Luke is with Paul, what are they doing most of the time? They're traveling, okay? The biggest section of the Gospel of Luke is called the travel narrative. It's from chapters 9 to 19, and it's just the story of Jesus' final trip to Jerusalem. So isn't it interesting that a companion of Paul, who traveled all the time, when he tells you the story of Jesus, mostly it's a journey. It's this final journey. Uh, that's from 951, well, I thought it was 9 to 19. To I got 18:14. I think it actually goes all the way to 19. Uh, in, in many ways, Luke is simply the story of a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Acts is the story of a journey from Jerusalem to Rome. How cool is that? How cool is that? Hmm? It's
1: a companion book right.
0: this, right? Right. They're, they're, right. They're Theophilus. They're, they're, they're uh, volume one and volume two. Yeah. <clears throat> but Luke is a story of a journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Acts is a story of a journey from Jerusalem to Rome. I mean, come on. That's just... I don't know where I got that. I didn't think of that. I stole that from somebody. <laughs> um, uh, we're talked about the Gentile mission. Um. And I already talked about that. Um, in chapter 2, the angel, when he's speaking the, the good news, he talks about the fact that Jesus has come for all people. And he, that he's a light. Simeon, when Simeon sings about Jesus, the song, um, he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. And one, one other detail about Luke is he seems to like songs, especially in the opening chapters of the gospel. There's lots of songs. Everybody's singing. Mary's singing. Simeon's singing. Uh, Okay, what else would you expect from a writer who was a doctor? You would expect a wealth of medical detail. And you have that. There's a lot more detail. Only Luke tells us about the man with dropsy. Uh, I looked it up in one of my dad's medical books. It's retention of fluid in, in the tissues, and it's, you don't like it. It's not good. In chapter 3, John the baptism, only Luke, baptizes for the remission of sin. And it's the same word that we use for the remission of cancer. Isn't that interesting. Uh, when in chapter 9, a man in the crowd asks Jesus to examine his son, and it's the medical term for a doctor examining a patient. But the coolest one, um, uh, who's John the Baptist's father, Zachariah? Uh, you know, when he can't talk, right? And um his his uh his wife says that John's name's gonna be John. Well, he can't. They can't do that because nobody in his family's named John. So they make these signs to Zechariah, and Zechariah asks for a tablet. It's the, and it's the technical term for a medical tab, for a prescription tablet. That's the word Luke knows. Okay, so he writes down his name is John, and then he can speak again. So there's there's medical detail. He uses medical words when he doesn't need medical words. Um, <clears throat> okay.
1: I mean, tablets were used all the. Moses went up to the mountain and came down with
0: tablets. Right, but not prescription tablets. I'm, what I'm saying is he, Luke is using a medical term when he doesn't need a medical term, but that's the word he knows.
1: Right, but I, I'm confused because he used the word tablet.
0: Well, we translated tablet, but technically the word...
1: But Moses uses the word tablet.
0: Well, it's, that's a Hebrew word. That's a whole different thing. And those are stone, stone ta- tablets, you know... Probably more cuneiform sized tablets, at least that's what I've heard. So this is, my point is, he's a doctor. Here's, here's the example I always use. My dad was a doctor. I remember my dad trying to hammer a nail into the wall to, ha- to hang a picture. He used his reflex hammer. Because that's the only hammer he had. My dad didn't have a, a carpenter's hammer. He used the rubber hammer that hits hit you on the knee with. He used a medical thing when he didn't need a medical thing. Well, use, Luke uses the word for a prescription tablet. That's not exactly, I mean, we, we translate it tablet, but technically it's, it's a prescription tablet. That's the point. I'm making the point that he's a doctor. And so he uses medical language even when he doesn't need, need medical language. So to use the term examine, like a doctor examining somebody, he doesn't need that word, but that's the word he uses because he's a doctor. I'm not saying it's the wrong word. It's God's word. It's perfect, but uh, interesting to me. I think also linked to the fact that he's a doctor more than any of the Gospels, Luke is very interested in prayer. Uh, before Jesus does anything in Luke, he prays, and he usually prays all night long. The really interesting thing, though, is that when you get to the Lord's Prayer, it's the shortened form. It's about half as long, and uh, and that's just, to me, that's kind of a mystery. When he finally gets around to showing us Jesus praying, uh, he, he, he cuts it in half. Um, let's talk about... Uh, Let's talk about this idea of the world being turned, up, turned upside down. And I'll give you an example of these pairs, uh, pairs of people. The very first pair, and again, it's usually a religious man who should get it and doesn't, and most often it's a woman who are very marginalized, uh, still respected in Judaism, but um, men didn't speak to their own wives in public. Um, the woman at the well. When the disciples come, what does it say? Does it say they're surprised that he's talking to a Samaritan? No, it says they're surprised that he's talking to a woman because men don't speak to women in public, right? You just don't do that. So somewhat marginalized, but but again, still in Judaism, women are respected, and you know, so don't don't get. They didn't count the women, right? Because women don't count. Sorry ladies, I I mean, don't look at, yeah. <laughs> but, but, huh? is she mentioned Well, interesting, in Luke's genealogy, the, the women that, that are part of Jesus' heritage are listed. So Luke is very, and, and I don't, I, I think it's, he, he's interested in the fact that the world's being turned upside down. People that are marginalized are, are the people who are getting it. And the people who should get it like Zechariah. Okay, where is Zechariah? Okay, Zechariah is in the holy place. Who's he talking to? Gabriel. Does he get it? No, he does not get it. Switch to Mary. Who's Mary? This 14 15-year-old girl in Nazareth. Okay, Gabriel gives her this a, a really a more unbelievable message. He tells he tells Zechariah, you know, Elizabeth is going to bear your son. So at least there's, you know, biological possibility. They're both old and it's still a miracle. But what he tells Mary is impossible, right? And Mary, what does Mary say? She says, she says, literally, behold the slave of the master. She uses the word dulane. The, the Greek for, word for slave is doulos. The, that's a male form. The, the male, female form is dulane. Mary says, behold the slave of the master, of the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm God's slave. Isn't that interesting that only Luke reports that? So... Uh, so anyway that's the first one we're going to look at Zechariah the father of John the Baptist and Mary this is 1 5 through 56 Zechariah is a priest serving in the holy place in the temple Uh, he's given a promise directly from the mouth of Gabriel and yet he does not believe While Mary, a simple young girl from backwater town of Nazareth, hears Gabriel and immediately responds by submitting herself as a slave of the master. Okay. In chapter 7, the centurion and the Jews. Okay. Who should get it? The Jews should get it. Who shouldn't get it? A Roman centurion. Right? They're clueless. Uh, The Jewish friends of the pagan soldiers come to Jesus insisting that he deserves Jesus' attention, uh, while the Roman centurion sends word back saying, I don't deserve I don't even deserve to have you come to my house. Just say the word, right? Uh, so he gets it, and the Jews, uh, the Jews don't get it. Uh, science, chapter 7, Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman. And again, this is that first um, congenial meal. Jesus, there's no, nobody's calling anybody a brood of vipers or anything there. It's congenial. Who gets it? The sinful woman gets it. Simon the Pharisee uh, doesn't get it. Um, while the woman who was a sinner weeps over the feet of Jesus and dries him with her hair, Jesus responds to Simon, Do you see this woman? Because Simon has only viewed her as one of his categories. See, Jesus sees her as a person. Simon sees her as a category. Okay? If this man were a prophet, Jesus is just a prophet. Okay? Uh, Jesus' family and the people listening to him. Okay, Who should get it? Jesus' family or the people who are sitting at his feet? You would think Jesus' family would get it. But they've come to, Jesus, to take Jesus away because they think he's out of his mind. Ever heard a, a sermon on that verse? Okay, <clears throat> Jesus' mother and brothers to, uh, come to see Jesus. We know from Mark's account that they have decided that Jesus is out of his mind and needs to be taken away from the presence of the crowd. While the crowd, who apparently is listening to the words of Jesus, Jesus who does Jesus say they are? These are my mother and my brothers. It's, it's radical reversal. The world's being turned upside down. Uh, the uh, I don't I don't have. Oh, eight, 19 through twenty one. Yeah. Uh, how about the 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 Garazines and the possessed man? Who should get it? The demon possessed guy? You don't you know? So. Um, After having been delivered from the legion of demons, the man pleads to go with Jesus, while the townspeople plead for Jesus to leave. So the guy who had been possessed, he gets it. The the Gerasenes or the Gadarenes. It even makes it into the the parables. And Luke is more interested in parables. Just a quick sidebar. Luke is the the gospel that shows us parables working. Uh, Matthew will collect a, a series of gospels. Luke will say... A man came to Jesus with a question, and Jesus tells a parable. And then often Luke will show us the effect that the parable had. He shows us parables working. Okay? Um, but uh, the Good Samaritan, okay, who gets it? The Samaritan gets it in the story. The priest and the Levite don't get it. So there's even this, it even makes it into Jesus' parables. In chapter 14, the parable of the banquet. Those who were initially invited to the extravagant banquet bow out at the last minute, while the street people, right, they go out and beat the bushes, and the people that roll out are the people who get invited to the uh, banquet. The parable of the lost son, who gets it? The dirty, rotten son who, you know, went away and wasted everything on his father's. That's a wonderful example of the guy who, who, I mean, who's the good guy who stayed home and obeyed his father? He doesn't get it, you know, the, 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 the scoundrel. I mean, and Jesus lives this out in his life. People see him eating with sinners. What are you doing? What is wrong with you? You know, and she, he says, well, I've come, you know, I've come to, uh, for the sick people, not the well people. I've come to take care of the sick people, which is another L- uh, Lucan idea. Rich man and Lazarus, okay? The rich man is blessed, right? He ends up in hell. He's blessed because he's rich. While the beggar, where's the beggar? He ends up sitting on Abraham's lap, okay? So that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's uh, 16, 9 through 3. I can go on with this. The healing of the 10 lepers, right? Who gets it? The Samaritan gets it. See? Radical reversal. world's being turned upside down. Quick question. Okay.
1: lot of um, uh, in this it was either or in other words you couldn't be rich and get into heaven it, it seems like that's the way it was
0: well going. in Judaism you're going to heaven because you're rich why are you rich because God blessed you Jesus is showing a whole other value system
1: well I, I know yeah I, yeah I, I, I agree with that, that, that but um, they seem to have um, demonized mm-hmm. those who I'm trying to find the passages but um demonize those
0: who had good fortune. Well, that may be because they're ri- they're, there's a reason they're rich. And it's not because they're resourceful capitalists. It's because they've used people and abused people. Who, kn- who knows? Who knows? But I think what they're doing is it's just a new value system. I mean, in, in, the, in order to be really wise, what do you have to do? Become a child. In, in order to become really rich, what do you have to do? You have to let go of your riches. In order, you know, It's radical reversal. Everything's turned upside down, which is it's hard when it, Judaism is a really nice system where everything's figured out works righteousness, you know I'll keep the Ten commandments and and because of my good behavior i'll get in, i mean that's a that's the system that actually unfortunately a lot of Christians still work under, not not the grace system but it's a, it's a great system it's just it doesn't work Jews uh, said,
1: what, six, seven, 13,
0: 14, well, yeah, yeah, and then the the Pharisees added. The Mishnah on top of that, right?
1: And blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will be
0: blessed. Right. That's radical reversal.
1: Right. Because
0: um, Judaism says, if you're laughing, you're blessed. And Jesus goes, no, if you're weeping, you're blessed. It's all going to get turned around.
1: Why could I be both?
0: I don't know. I can't answer that question.
1: I mean, that's... I guess that's my...
0: Well, the world's being turned upside down, and there are different reasons for people weeping and being blessed.
1: Okay. But woe to you who are rich for you have already received your comfort.
0: Right. You've gotten your reward. and that so. there's
1: no reward for you after that.
0: Well, if you've gotten your riches in a bad, in a bad way. Okay. yeah. This
1: is just a general statement. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, tax collector of the Pharisee. The religious Pharisee, this is 18, uh, 9 through 14. The Pharisee prays about himself before God. I love that one. And in the back is the tax collector who won't even look up. He just beats his, have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, so who gets it? The tax collector gets it, and the Pharisee doesn't get it. It's just, it, when you start seeing this, you go, okay, Luke, I got it. <laughs> okay, I get this. The rich young ruler in Zacchaeus. Um, the rich man and the poor widow in 21. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pervasive theme uh, in Luke, and we're out of time. Uh, let me see if there's anything else. Um, <clears throat> of the 33 parables we have of Jesus, uh, I count them up, 14 are only in Luke. So 14 unique parables in Luke. Um, Oh there's one just just let me let me throw this out to you really quick and then I'll let you go. This is a, a bizarre statement. And I you, you know you do your homework and this is 526. <clears throat> let me start at 525. Immediately he got up before them picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. Here's 26 right we see. Then everyone was astounded and we haven't talked about this either, but Luke is the gospel of amazement. He exhausts the language of amazement. Uh, there are five different Greek words that can, be, that can be translated astonished or amazed. He uses all of them, and he'll frequently use two in one sentence. They were astonished and amazed. And what, what does that mean? That means that the eyewitnesses that he's talking to 30 years later are still amazed by what they saw. I think that's pretty cool okay so the people were astounded and they were giving glory that's the word doxa okay doxology okay they were giving doxa glory to God and they were filled with awe that's the word phobos but Luke uses it okay and said we have here's the statement we have seen incredible that's the word I want to focus on we've seen incredible uh, things today I'll stop right there that's, here's your big word for the day. That's a hapoxagamina. That's a word that only appears one time in the Bible. And it's the word paradoxa. It's the word we get paradoxical from. So the people, they talk about, they've, they've seen the glory, the doxa of God, but the things that they've seen are paradoxical. And the reason I'm making a big deal out of this is what follows for the next three or four chapters are a series of stories of Jesus doing paradoxical things that don't make sense to anybody. So look, look for that. I think the first thing he does is he calls Matthew. That's the first paradoxical thing he does. Uh, so they, they give doxa to God, and they say, we've seen paradoxa uh, things today. So it's, I don't know, look, look for it and figure it out. It's an it's a interesting, uh, I think it's a literary sort of introduction to a line of stories that are... are, uh, are uh, what chapter does he start with? Hmm? Which chapter does he start with? 526. That's where that verse is. <clears throat> we don't have time to look at it, but when there's another completely unique statement, Jesus will fill with joy, joy of the Holy Spirit. That's only in Luke. We, and we haven't talked about that too, but Luke is the gospel of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the Holy Spirit more than anyone else, which, I mean, he writes to Acts about the coming of the Holy Spirit, so he's interested in that. Yes.
1: was kind of noticing that
0: at, at yes. time in people's lives, the Holy Spirit came yep. That's one of the unique, that's an, another, there's just so much that's unique uh, uh, about Luke. Luke and John, you know, tend to be peoples. Uh, yeah, we don't have time. There's a real interesting flow of the ministry in Luke that I'm still working on. <clears throat> and we didn't even look at any specific passages, but start at that 526 and, and look for that series of, uh, of uh, paradoxical Things that Jesus did, I've got, I think I got a list of them. Um. Well, I like the way Luke is
1: just seems more organized. I mean, starts at the beginning, ends, you know. Um,
0: yeah. The way you, we all know. And it's just,
1: the timeline is just a couple of things like God's behavior, but kind of, he mentioned them before they happened just to kind of clean up that conversation. Yeah. Through. It just flows. flows, flows. Well, there, there's
0: a really good theory, and again, I'm never dogmatic about these things, but there's a really good theory that Luke, Acts, was first written as a cover letter for a collection of Paul's letters that were submitted at his trial, and that Theophilus is somebody who has something, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. some involvement in the trial. Again, never be dogmatic about what the Bible's not dogmatic about, but I think it's a really cool idea. But his name is thrown in there, so we'll yeah, the and, okay, so my question is, here's, here's the method. What would you expect? Well, you would expect a focus on innocence. And that's exactly what you get all through the trial of Jesus. Everyone is saying he's innocent. Pilate says he's innocent. One of the people he's crucified with is saying he's innocent. Okay?
1: Well, maybe
0: that's
1: why he took it easy on the Pharisees also. Hmm? Why he took it easy
0: on the Pharisees. Yeah. That who Paul was going in front of the Yeah, yeah. So there are all kinds of issues in, the, in Luke to deal with. Okay, let me pray. Hmm? <laughs> okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. We pray that it would tremble in our hands. Uh, help us to see and um, experience and hear your word as we, as, as we never have before. Uh, please don't let us finish your sentences for you. Uh, we, we know these gospels so well. We've read them so long, but help us to uh, experience every verse in a fresh way uh... by your spirit and uh... and we will praise you for that uh, we just want to understand who you are we want to know who you are and, uh... every detail we want to understand about your life um, so we ask that in your name jesus uh... make us unusually aware of your presence as we go home uh... for those of us that are going uh, home to family pray that we would bring a measure of your presence with us and for those who are going back to empty Uh, apartments or houses, pray that uh, we would be met there with a strong sense of your presence. In your name, Jesus, amen.